Hey, this is Mike. Hey, this is Kaz, and you are listening to Two Broke Watch Snobs, the only watch podcast that has looked in their hearts and seen the ram caught in the bush who have made it all the way to episode 193. Michael, what is up? How are you doing? How? How are you doing? Top of the morning-ish to you. Back in back in Seattle. Back in Seattle. It's raining. Oh my god, you guys got some rain finally. Finally got some rain, so now it's just a combination of rain and smoke. So now the rain has solved all of your state's problems, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all of them. <laughs> <laughs> Every single one is solved now. That's oh, fantastic. Um, this is going to be a lot of fun. I, I'm getting a lot of rain over here, too, so if you get background noise on my end, that's what that is. But the, this is going to be a lot of fun, actually. Episode 193, we're getting closer and closer to our big, huge episode 200 bonanza. Michael and I just celebrated our four-year anniversary um, last uh, you know, last week, 9-16. September 16th marked the four-year anniversary of the conception of Two Book Watch Snobs, where Michael and I... Uh, just decided to do this thing, and that's obviously super close to the other huge milestone of 200 podcast episodes. I always love when people, like, so a lot of people start watch podcasts and then, like, drop them, um, and I'm not saying that's like that, 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 that as, like, a knock to anyone. It's actually, it's actually really hard, and one of the things people always ask me all the time is, like, oh, man, how do you, like, how did you guys, like, stick with it? And it's one of the things I've carried with me uh, if there's two factors in it. The first one is the fact that Michael and I, you and I are doing this together. So if there ever is a time where I'm just not feeling it, you can either carry it on your own or you can yeah. you can build me up and get me excited about it. And then the reverse is also true. If there's ever some times where you're not feeling it, I can just do the show alone or I can get you into it and we can still... So we keep each other um, in check. The other factor is something that I've learned over the course of my career and speaking with so many like business owners and so many people who have seen projects from conception to success go all the way through and it's the factor of I had to make myself too stupid to quit. We had to be too stupid to give up. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, we, we have that going for us. We, that, that part was pretty easy. We're just too fucking dumb to realize <laughs> this is really hard and it takes up a lot of our free time. We should, in the better interest of our own self-preservation, we should start. Yeah, we're too dumb uh, to do that. Not spending time with our wives right now. My wife is literally <laughs> on the couch playing video games. It's Sunday afternoon. That sounds nice. And I'm sitting, I know, I'm sitting here recording. Because we're just you guys too, have you guys have Nintendo Switch? That that's the only system you have, right? We have a Nintendo Switch. I have a bunch of like other like older generation like consoles, but over the over the past five years, the one we've gotten recently is the uh is the Nintendo Switch. Gotta get back into gaming. I like the Switch. It's fun, man. My wife mainly <sighs> uses it for Animal Crossing. Um I've gone through a few games on there so far, mainly in just like the um, like actual playing like RPG sort of uh, sort of space because that was always my thing. What I'm doing mm-hmm. now is I'm actually going back and replaying Morrowind not on the Switch obviously because it's not it's not cross-platform on there, but through Steam. Um so that's been a lot of fun. Nice, you know. But yeah, <sighs> episode 200. Keep keep an eye out for what Michael and I are going to do. I think I think it's going to be pretty cool. But here, let's do this. Episode 193. This is going to be... The, the point I was making before about 200 episodes, blah, blah, blah. Michael and I are astounded that this topic for this week has never come up formally. We've talked about it, I think. like, Or we've made comments as to, this, as to the heart of the issue. We've never actually dedicated an entire episode Rolex versus Omega. Or Omega, if you are in... 
Her Majesty's service. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Did you see that Brodinky meme <laughs> where he writes like, "Oh, when you pronounce it Omega," and it's just like a shot of Daniel Craig looking, drinking a looking debonair. <laughs> Omega. Exactly. exactly. Yeah, it's it's one of those almost um, clickbaity content topics. Yeah, I'm expecting where, to see a picture of like Urban Gentry holding a watch and making a bad face, like ooh, it's like, <laughs> really, like that stupid, like really dumb clickbaity shit, which I really would love to have eradicated from Earth. Yeah, that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, but you know what? 193 episodes in, I think we, ha- I think we have earned the right to uh, give this one a shot. Yeah, I would like to amend my earlier mantra and saying we are both too stupid to quit and too dumb to, su- to succeed in hitting a topic <laughs> that's this pretty no-brainer. But yeah, Rolex v Omega. It's a discussion that I think most folks should really properly take into account, especially if you're considering purchasing one yeah. of these brands um whether it be a rolex blah 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 or an omega blah 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 or an omega blah 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 it, it, it rolex has made it very interesting rolex and omega have made it very interesting to see how far your money goes or doesn't go when you decide to buy from one of their brands and so i'm excited for the discussion i'm expecting a lot of history and just cool quality talk i'm expecting michael to do a lot of the talking here just because this is his thing um, you guys have probably heard me talk enough when I've done like all the Soviet watch episodes. Hold on, my cat's here. My love, come here. Right, come on. And everything like that, sir. Um, but here, let's do this, Michael. Michael, would you like to do would you like to do an audio wrist check with me? Yeah, let's do an audio wrist check, and we have some cool Patreon wrist checks uh, in addition to ours. So, so let's let's do our audio wrist check super quick, and then we can get to the Patreon dudes. I'm excited. No one has heard this watch on the show yet. This oh. is this is a first time wrist check oh, for this watch. Okay, I'm intrigued. Nothing crazy. Okay, it's just something that. I, so we're you know. Does it rhyme? Past- with, does it rhyme with royal spoke? <laughs> I think I've been talking about this watch longer on the show than than the royal oak. So, okay, okay. Uh, this is the Citizen Nighthawk. Finally. Yeah. Fucking. Yeah, it's about time, right? <laughs> Finally. Wow. Like, oh, thank okay. God I don't have to hear Mike talk about buying this thing anymore. <laughs> Sega Flightmaster, Citizen Nighthawk. Okay, cool. We're in it. We're in it now. That's cool. How yeah, is yeah. it? It's really good. So some some listeners might remember that I talked about this watch on a previous episode I did with my wife. It was just the two of us talking about new house watches mm. that I would be allowed to buy. Right. And this was one of the contenders. Um, and it's just fantastic. It, there was a little weird period recently where the prices went up a lot. I saw uh, that. That was weird. Yeah, yeah. So like four hundred dollars or something like that for this fucking watch. Yeah, yeah. There's there's some weird stuff happening to typically affordable watches recently, but that's a different topic. But this thing is like it's everything I wanted it to be. There there were a lot of folks both in the Slack channel and on Instagram that I feel like almost for years were just like do it man yeah you, you gotta get it. and i just didn't um so finally i pulled the trigger uh and this is just the standard black dial citizen nighthawk there's a huge watch you seek thread if you dig it up where a ton of crazy enthusiasts go through every single variant i mean there's special blue angels editions there's those ones i know bl- yeah yeah there's like a brown dial they call it the havana 
um a lot of different very yeah there are a lot of different very just like seiko where this one's made in japan this one's made here um so people get really crazy about the nighthawk specifically but um this is the second in my recent line of cheap beater multi-time zone watches the Mm. the previous one that I, i would bring up is the uh that time arrow Benris clone. Oh yeah. But, uh, this thing is, you know, around the same price and, uh, actually a true kind of real deal GMT. And it's probably the little airplanes, man. I fell, <laughs> I fell in love with the little airplanes just as I expected to. Uh, it's one of the most unique and intuitive, uh, you know, dual time zone displays that I've ever seen on a watch. Wow. Um, Eco drive, so you have that. Um, and right now, I'm actually wearing it on a a blue, a black Blue Shark NATO. But I have a 22 millimeter Barton strap coming my way, and I think it's going to be a really cool combo. Well, this I, is. I, I didn't realize the lugs were, were 22 on there. How big is the watch? Uh, the watch? I have no clue. Is it this, more than this... 42? You think? It's. I think they call it a 42. Be, but because it's all dial and it's not, um, it essentially doesn't have a, a bezel. Yeah. It looks like as huge as a Navitimer. But on wrist, mm. it doesn't feel it. It doesn't feel it. It feels like a 42 millimeter watch. And oh. the lug to lug is pretty short. Um, that was another thing that a lot of people were trying to message me about. They just, oh, it's not that big. Don't worry about it. Um, you know, just get it. Wow. This thing is 298 on Amazon right now. Wow. It's a lot of money so 42 millimeter diameter um let's see if the lug to lug is here no yeah 42 i don't know what the lug to lug is but it's not that bad it has short short stubby lugs and um i'm sure it feels bigger with the bracelet i haven't sized the bracelet i just didn't i i got it and i took it right off the bracelet and because uh, I knew I wanted this either on nylon or on rubber because this to me mm. is an actual is an actual travel watch. Nobody's traveling at this time. Right. But um you know, again, thinking about travel eventually, I I, I never really want to take anything super expensive anywhere. Um You should you should come here to uh so I'm in Orlando for folks that don't know. You should come here. We should go to Epcot and we should walk around the world, but every time we go to a different pavilion, just change the change the time zone on your watch to match change the time zone. To match. So like, <laughs> okay, perfect. now now we're on UK time. Oh, okay, okay. Now we're on for, you know, uh, uh, uh you know, Paris time. Oh, okay. Now we're on, you know, Morocco time. Just, you know. I think that'd be fun. That's the content piece where we go all out and we drain the TBWS funds and get a full like professional film crew to make it feel like I'm Anthony Bourdain. <laughs> but just going around the world in Epcot. <laughs> that would actually be a lot of fun. I think that'd be hilarious. But dude, I mean, at the end of the day, Citizen I, always, always surprises me. It's got the jumping hour hand, which a lot of people oh, wow. don't really know with, with this. So you can... You can set it like a real, a real GMT watch, and it's just—I don't know. Citizen makes probably some of the best pilot watches in the world. I'm working on my Timex MK1 review, and the movement on that thing—it's like a modified Miyota Quartz chronograph, but they modified it. Timex modified it to have a jumping hour hand as well. Thirty-dollar watch. You believe That's so that? Crazy. Some two thousand, three thousand dollar GMTs don't even have like an independent jumping hour hand. Yeah. Too funny. I'm glad you got the thing, man. I'm glad you're digging it. That's so cool. 
thanks. It's it's finally here. So and that's your new house watch. Are we, are we yeah. calling it? Yeah. And I think I, I actually, I consider this to be, um, you know, we've talked about the core collection versus mm. something else that you have in another box. This is part of the core collection. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm glad. I'm glad all the waiting was worth it because it, there's always the fear when you lust after a watch so much and then when you get it, it's just like, eh, it's okay, I guess. Yeah. You know what I mean? I was, yeah. I'm, I'm really glad that didn't happen though. So how about you? What do you have? Bam, let's do this. I am not wearing anything new, but I am wearing a tried and true TBWS staple. I'm wearing my Orient Star GMT reference WZ0071DJ. It does not have an independent hour, like like jumping hour hand. The, the GMT hand, you know, moves independently. Oh, and yeah. just for reference also for folks who, who, are, who are, might not know what that means, an independent jumping hour hand basically means you can change the main hour hand without manipulating or changing the minute hand and it's really helpful uh for folks who are jumping time zones all the time so you don't have to like go all the way fucking around the watch a bunch of times if you need to switch from east coast to west coast you just move the hour you click the hour hand three times and it just boom you you're in the new time zone so and you don't have to stop the seconds and you have to stop the seconds exactly so yeah just putting that out there and to answer everyone else's follow-up question yes your phone can also do that so (laughs) <laughs> whether or not it's actually it's a useful true. complication I don't think it really matters this is watch it's supposed to be fun get over it yeah you know um, but yeah I'm wearing the Orient Star GMT I love this watch I still get messages from people asking where to get this watch um, the answer is tell you. yeah yeah I don't know what to tell you guys the answer is nowhere the problem with this Orient Star and I hope it's an issue that current or current owner current owners of Orient Japan which is Epson are trying to solve is that this is pre-Epson takeover uh, Epson fully acquired Orient Orient watches in approximately 2017, and post 2000, 2017, uh, uh, Epson has been filtering in the new generation of in-house calibers, the F6 and the F7 movements. Um, mainly, it's mainly they're iterating on on the on the F6 caliber, and they've been doing they've been going through all of their classic watches and giving a new iteration so with the f6 caliber line so they're phasing out the old um 469 and the old 490 and 4po calibers and all that bullshit so like orient sun and moon they're on the new calibers um all the three-handers like with makos and shit like that and, and the rays they're on the three-handers um some of the more intricate orients with like power reserves and like three-handers with power reserves and shit like that those are on the new calibers they have not done that with the GMT caliber yet. And until they do, you're not going to be able to find um, any Orient GMT, uh, I don't think, at least not without paying a lot of money. So in terms of Orient GMTs, your options are this one, the WZ0071DJ, or there's the Orient uh, Star Polaris, which for a long time, in my opinion, was probably one of the most affordable mechanical GMTs you could get it was you can you could not anymore but you could get them you can get the Polaris for like four five hundred bucks. On we have a review of that one. We do. We do. We do yeah. have a review of that one. Um, and then there was also the Orient Star Seeker, which is a bit chunkier. It's a bit beefier than the Polaris. Um, but again, Orient post Seiko Epson. I should say Seiko Epson because that just confuses people. Post Epson huh, takeover. <laughs> 
because the official title is Seiko Epson, but it has nothing to do with Seiko watches. So I just say Epson. Yeah. You know. So post Epson takeover, there have been no new iterations of the um, GMT caliber. I think it's like 4PO or 4NO. I can't remember. Uh, <laughs> within the new F6 or F7, most likely F6 caliber lines. And until they do, you're not going to be able to find this watch anywhere. So I'm. Really sorry, guys, but I hope when they do a new iteration of these GMTs, Michael, we get more colors. <laughs> yes, I would, I would buy a green one yesterday. I would dr- I would drown a sack of dogs for one of these with like a teal dial. That's a horrible image. I wish I could take that back, but I mean, it's out there. A whole <laughs> there. a whole sack of them, Michael, and not like a <laughs> pillowcase. I mean, like 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 a commercial potato sack. You know yeah, what I mean? That's what I, that's what I was imagining. The yeah. whole thing, like comical, like a comical size of dogs in a the sack. They're about to get drowned by me. So you can I can fit. Get a watch. You can fit even more if they if they're puppies. If they're puppies, yeah. Well, yeah. I'm gonna yeah. say if we're talking full grown, like 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 Burmese or like mastiffs, maybe ten. But like puppies, oh my god! It's like yeah, you can do some damage. Gotta be a hundred. I mean, I would basically be trying to to affect my own new breed of dogs. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, so I would... Ch- Sorry. Hmm? Sorry, Peter. Sorry, Peter. <laughs> I know you listen to every episode. So if I were to try and start my own new breed of dogs called, like, the Golden Kaz or, like, whatever, you know what I mean? I would probably try and get a bunch of, like, Golden Retrievers with traits I don't like and keep the ones with the traits I do like, but the traits I don't like, put those in the sack and drown them. If you guys think I'm sounding horrible, just ask yourselves, I wonder how breeds came to be in the first place. That's literally mm-hmm. how it came mm-hmm. to be. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Golden Retrievers are so nice and amiable and people-friendly because all the ones that weren't were killed. <laughs> so you should think about that the next time you're like, oh, I want a specific breed of dog. If you want a dog, just go get a dog. It doesn't matter. Just, just get a, just go to the pound. As long as the dog's a, not on fire, free dog. And just yeah, as long as the dog's not on fire and it's relatively free, just get, just get a dog. Just get a dog. All right. Oh, so what are Patreon we about? <laughs> That's how breeds work. It's called selective breeding, guys. This is this is how this is how we introduce our patrons. <laughs> uh, <laughs> This this that last tangent was their idea, actually. Yeah, let's just throw it on them. No, that'd be horrible. Hey, yeah. let's do this. Let's transition <laughs> to our TBWS audio risk check Patreon shoutouts. This is the segment of the show. We basically include everyone who's opted into our Patreon uh, channel to just join us on the audio risk check. So basically, uh, you know, we'll share what watch you're wearing. We'll share your name, and we're going to talk about the watch for a few minutes. So uh, let me see here. Let's do let's do this one first here. Uh, the one I sent you on Slack with the screenshot. So huge Patreon audio wrist check shout out from the two broke watch knobs to Jason. He just asked to be referred to as Jason, but you'll immediately know which Jason because Jason is checking in with the Grand Seiko Diver SBGA229. I've been waiting to Google this one because I don't want to know which one it is until the last moment. So I'm doing it now. Mm. Yeah. Because I really do think these Grand Seiko Divers are so cool. SBGA229, which, oh, it's yeah. a spring drive. This is the real deal. Spring drive, uh, Seiko Diver. Fucking multo bang, <laughs> dude. Perfect. How cool yeah, is even, that? Even the dog, the, even the dog is excited. Dog concurs. 
<laughs> this is um this is a sub killer excellent 100 yeah. excellent designation you know um and i'm looking through the images i'm looking on google images weirdly enough not weird but kind of random mm-hmm. uh joe rogan has one of these i'm not sure if you ran across that photo no that's that's kind of a very he watch for this guy to get into. He's probably a watch guy. I could see him being a watch guy. Well, there's a there's kind of a not viral, but I guess popular in the watch community. I guess he had some watch person on the show, and they were talking about Grand Seiko. So mm-hmm. maybe maybe after that he he picked one up. But this is a, I mean, if you don't have a black dive watch and you want something really high end that's that's different, I mean, Dude, this is yeah, it. This is perfect. <laughs> this is it. What are the dimensions on this thing? Oh my god, Jason, mad kudos. So, so Jason goes on to kind of clarify this watch. Um, he constitutes this as a mini grill. This Grand Seiko SBGA two two zero nine. He loves the spring drive complication, which I think is awesome. And he's always had just this affinity for sports watches and dive watches, which I think is something that we can yeah. all relate to. Most people in the watch family have divers. They kind of yeah. are opting more for. That's why all these micro brands are just just shitting out divers. I mean, because they're because people buy them. So, I yeah. think the idea of having a predilection for sports and dive watches is something that's congruent, you know, um, with 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 all of us. And I give Jason Map mad props for setting his mini grail within that kind of sports slash dive watch uh, brain sector setting that mini grail as this Grand Seiko diver, the, the, the spring drive. Because I know there's a Grand Seiko diver that's part of the um, the F9 quartz calibers, which is also fucking incredible. But oh, I mean, yeah. if you're doing Grand Seiko, I feel like... And I, you gotta I, get a spring drive. You gotta get a spring drive. I mean, like, <laughs> I, I still am in love with the technology. I know, especially over the past couple of years, it doesn't really feel like it's been that big of a focus for Seiko, or for Grand Seiko, I should, I should specify. I yeah. get the sense that they're hitting. I mean, obviously, we can talk about the T zero, uh, constant force tourbillon, tourbillon oh shit God, that they just crazy. that just released, you know. Yeah. Um, but in addition to that, I feel like the main iterations I've been seeing from them it's a lot of like high beat mechanical stuff. Um, I remember the Quartz GMT was cool for a while when they were able to finally like nail that it's movement. Still very cool. I think yeah. it's cool, but the Watch yeah. Fam are a bunch of fickle fickle folk. You know what I mean? Yeah, because they called it an Explorer Two copy or something like that. We got to get over ourselves, guys. As a as a community, yeah. we all have to come together. Just get you know what's good about this 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 level of Grand Seiko also is that it shows you that there's more to Grand Seiko than the Snowflake. One hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. So, good, I, good pick for a wrist check. Yeah, super good pick. Um, let me see here. Okay, finally, I was looking. I'm looking for dimensions. I love the bezel on this. Oh my god, this is an excellent, excellent example of a quote-unquote expensive diver that still actually feels like a diver. It feels like a sports yeah. watch. You know what I mean? Really, really beautiful uh, dimensions on this, and then we can go to the next one. Forty-four millimeters in diameter, uh, fourteen millimeters thick. That's not, um, that's not bad. I mean, that's, I mean, and if, the, if there's anything that's congruent with all Seikos, in my opinion, is that the on paper diameter size is meaningless. My Sumo, yeah. my Seiko Sumo is 45 millimeters, but it wears way better than like other watches that I have that are like 42 millimeters, you know? 
and USD six thousand. Yeah, the MSRP. And still cheaper, cheaper than a no date sub. Cheaper than a no date sub. And Michael, correct me if I'm wrong. I could put my slippers on right now, drive to the Seiko <laughs> Boutique in Miami over in the Art District. It's probably like maybe a four or five hour drive. Walk into it and buy this watch. Right? You can. Yeah. So you can do it right here also in in downtown Seattle. Yeah. We have Grand Seiko now. So uh, so suck it, black dial node, no date Rolex. Uh, <laughs> Let's do this. Let's move on to the... So, yeah, thank you so much, Jason, for checking in with the Seiko, Grand Seiko SPGA229. Uh, Next audio restrict shout-out is going to Josh at Osteopath, Osteopathic Time. Always see him on Instagram. Super, super cool. Josh at... Uh, I'm just going to say Osteopathic Time. Go and check out his Instagram. It's really, really cool. At Osteopathic Time. Checking in with the Casio G-Shock. Here we go. Here's a reference number. GM, goddamn, I already fucked it up. GMWB 5000GD-9 or the gold full metal 5000. Yeah, <clears throat> that's the one. If you wanted to get a watch that had some retro street cred, but you also wanted to hang dong, I think this is a good one. And not spend, like, you know, Royal Oak money or something like that. Um... What I love about this, so this is, so people who don't know, this is, this is, it's a Casio G-Shock, but it's like all metal and it's like gold-plated. Yeah, these made a huge splash when they came out. Yeah. Um, I still don't know how I feel about them, but if I were to buy one, I'd probably get the gold one. I just, would, yeah. <laughs> just because. <laughs> I would get the gold one because, Michael, I will tell you, Casio was very well aware of who would buy this watch. Uh, do you have the actual G-Shock.com, like, product uh, link in front of you? No, I have his Instagram feed Let me send uh, you. Open. Let me send you the, I'll just, I'll, I'll just copy and paste these in uh, our TBWS Slack. All right. These are the model photos that Casio has chosen to include. Let's take a look. I'm sending it to you right now. Keep keep it together. We're working on it. So many tabs. Okay, that's one. Let me go and get the other one while you process that. <laughs> okay. I think they're very well aware of why someone would buy that. <laughs> Both of the model images I'm sharing with Michael right now are just dudes in short sleeve like Hawaiian shirts. <laughs> God, we should have been on a cruise. If, I know. I keep lamenting. I keep <laughs> lamenting our lost opportunity. Um, I think this is the perfect watch. This is actually a really great vacation watch. I'll call it now. I think this is a great fucking vacation watch. That's Just true. Put on you, a fun... Get that second time zone. Put on a fun short sleeve Hawaiian-esque shirt. Put on your all mother-humping gold-plated Casio G-Shock and just... Hang out. Get some Pinu Kulavas on the Disney fi- on the Disney Fantasy and you're fucking gold, man. All right? And a lot of people are probably going to trash the fact that this is gold-plated. Um, and, you know, when something is gold-plated to me, I think people worry about how it's going to look long-term. It's probably going to end up kind of looking shitty in some way, but at the mm-hmm. same time, pretty damn cool. It's going to wear in certain places if you keep this watch for you know, a lifetime and just change the batteries over and over again. Yeah. I think, I think decades later, this is one of those gold plated watches that are just going to look really cool where, where people would pay more to get something patinaed that way. Yeah. The argument of like, Oh yeah, it's going to look shitty in 20 years. 
dude, we have we have stupid ass members of the watch fam. Apologies to anyone that's done this. That are buying bronze watches and putting them in jars of like egg vapor to fourteen <laughs> of them. Like like the argument yeah. of like oh it's gonna look like shit in ten years is fucking meaningless to me. You know, what what people mean? buying like untreated bronze watches that end up looking patinaed. I don't know. Two months later. Yeah, because you live in yeah. Florida like me when you walk outside it's like breathing <laughs> in soup. Yeah. You know? Like, I dig this. Like, like, it's the same part of the brain where it's like people buy a brand new Fender Strat and then just like sandpaper it so it looks like it's older than it is. Like the, the, the argument of, oh, this is going to look bad and blah, blah, blah years, to me, it's meaningless. If you like this watch, get it. Because it's yeah. going to be awesome now, and then whatever it ends up look, looking like, it doesn't matter because that's your watch. You totally grew with it. So huge, huge shout out to Josh at Osteopathic Time for rocking, rocking this thing. I think it's just so cool. Yeah, man. Check in with us, Josh, in ten years, and let us know how the watch looks. <laughs> let's do. Let's do Josh's Patreon wrist check again in ten years. 10 years for episode 700 and Hopefully we'll see what this thing looks still like have the same laptop <laughs> it's made out of just like dry mud and twigs and shit i would be amazed i would be amazed we should get <laughs> you a new shit. we should get you a new laptop i think we can i think we can dip into our our shallow coffers to get you a new fucking laptop there's a there's a museum here actually i think it was started believe it or not by paul allen uh, in Seattle, and it's the I think it's called the Museum of Living. Wait, you computers. mean the guy from American Psycho? Let's see Paul I, Allen's card. I mean the I mean the co-founder of of uh, Microsoft. Oh, <laughs> Paul Allen. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> yeah, and it's a crazy fucking museum. I would submit this computer to that museum if it lasts another ten years. Can I, I? I can just totally see you just like walking in with like your jeans and your Vans, and you got it like in your bag, and you're like, "Oh, I, uh, I want to donate this." And they're like, "Oh, like, oh man, they're wearing the white gloves." You're like, "Oh my god, look at this! This is what is what is this mark here? Uh, oh, that's my belt buckle. Oh wow, that's so bad. <laughs> and they're just you know what I mean? Like they're full antiques road showing out on I this thing. Talk to Paul. <laughs> He died 10 years ago. <laughs> I'm going to get him on the line right now. We're going to get Randy uh, Quaid. Not Randy Quaid. That's the, other, the other Quaid. Dennis Quaid and Jim Cavazil. And we're going to relive Frequency. I've really got to stop talking about that movie on there. That has uh, got to be double digits, the amount of times I've referenced Frequency. I and, like it. I like it. And I also like that it mixed up the Quaids. <laughs> Dennis Quaid, Randy Quaid, very different people. Oh, Just man. to put that out there, very different people, all right? Um, but yeah, huge shout out, huge thank you to Josh at Osteopathic Time for checking in with this gold full metal 5000, gold plated Casio G-Shock, Mwah, fucking perfect. And a huge shout out as well to Jason for rocking and checking in with this Grand Seiko SBGA 229. God, I love this watch. I love both of these watches. Right on. Should we move on to some fake news? Let's. This is so. This was my worst fear. So let's move on to some housekeeping items. Um, I kind of want to find the thread. Yeah, dig dig forward while I while I tell folk give folks some background. So last week, Michael and I announced the um, 
Shut, shut up, dude. For our four-year four anniversary, for the four-year anniversary of the two-book blog times, Michael and I announced the creation and the deploying of a new site section on twobookblogshops.com called the Balance Cock Bugle. Now, the Balance Cock Bugle can be found under the column section on the twobookblogshops.com site, and I try to make this as clear as I can, not really, on the actual page, but this is essentially the orological version of the onion. Okay? Yeah. This is one of the few times you'll hear me candidly speak about the Balance Cock Bugle. Nothing you read here is real. Yeah. Okay. Let's be clear. This <laughs> Let's is get not that on the record. The only right thing now. the only thing up here that's semi-real is that IWC post and those sexist ads they have in there. Those ads are real. Yes. Okay. But everything else on here is fake. This is these are purely for entertainment um and satire and for us to poke fun at ourselves at the watch industry because we we have to be able to laugh. At ourselves. If you're in some sort of collecting niche or hobby and you hold it so dear that you are unable to find humor in some of its own weird eccentricities, you're probably taking life a little too seriously. I know I shouldn't blanket judge like that, but it's my, it's, it's our, Michael, it's our fucking show, so I can do whatever I want. Um, but you're probably taking it too seriously. And we created the Balanced Cock Bugle um, to poke fun yeah. just at ourselves. Uh, some great headlines on here. I love this one that Damon did recently. <laughs> Husband with selective taste begs wife, please don't buy me another watch. It's so good. He's got he's got some in the can, by the way, which are pretty epic. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, let me see. There's other YouTube watch reviewer confused. He can't pay rent with freebies. Uh, Bahamian vacationer drowns due to bezel play. Damon and I are working on <laughs> I love the Bahamian one. Damien and I, uh, Damon and excuse me, Damon and I are working on some other ones. Damon T. Davis, uh, contributor extraordinaire, essentially is conceived of the Balanced Cog Bugle, and he and I worked in congruence to make it real. But there's one post in particular which um, I think semi semi viral. Se- I mean, for I don't for know Rolex forums. I don't know if you would. Pretty... Con- it's one of them made it on the Rolex forums, and I think it upset people. So I'm just going <laughs> to read the headline, and then we can get into it. The headline says. Mark Zuckerberg purchases Rolex brand just because. Um, and then <laughs> I love the photo you picked of him. <laughs> it took me it took me a long time to find a good photo that uh, wasn't like super expensive. It's, it's one of those just like, yep, you're all welcome, fuckers. It's like one of those total, total fucking lizard bot. <laughs> <laughs> Man. So this piece basically is talking about how this is all in satire. Mark Zuckerberg felt so enthralled to own Rolex because it competed with the brand recognition of Facebook and like it paints him as like this Bond villain-esque like robot man. It's very, very funny. It's also clearly a joke when yeah. you read it. It's but but it made its way onto uh probably the biggest Rolex uh, forum in the world. The Rolex forums. On the Rolex um, forum. I just feel so bad. I don't. <laughs> this is my fear with the balanced cock Google. Some some very serious comments were, "How do you buy a trust?" Uh, they, a, a lot of them got into the economic and legal implications about the way Rolex was set up as a trust <laughs> slash foundation, and they were like, "This is impossible." And then people were, and then there were some people like, "Oh, Hans Waldorf was a genius. He wouldn't let this happen." It's just like, <laughs> Jesus Christ, guys. 
<laughs> there was somebody else who was like, this is a column called The Balance Cock Bugle. <laughs> yeah, some people on there were just like, yeah, guys, this is not real. I, I think a couple of the folks were just like, I listened to the Dubrov Washington They said this is not real, but I don't think uh, I don't think that resonated with anyone. Um, there were there were some funny comments also about like, oh, imagine imagine what it would do for the experience of buying uh, a Rolex, like if Facebook could tap into its, you know, <laughs> networking capabilities of like yeah. friends. And then you you are actually on a waiting list powered by Facebook to get a <laughs> to get a Rolex or something. <laughs> yeah, people got pretty creative with some of their responses. But uh, yeah, cool. Could you imagine moving manufacturing to China? And a million subs are cool. How about a billion? Yes. (laughs) This is good stuff. Uh, All props to Damon, TBW's contributor extraordinaire. This is such a great piece. Best part is the fake Zuckerberg quote where he's like, oh, I kind of like the new Smurf Submariner. It kind of looks like the Facebook logo or something (laughs) like that. The new Blueberry Submariner kind of reminds me of our Facebook logo. He, as in Zuckerberg, remarked. I think I'll keep that one too. All of that one. The Smurf too. <laughs> it's clearly satirical. Like, yeah. how would he allow himself to be quoted in such a Bond villain-esque context like this? Yeah. I so I it. think it's I think it's safe to say that we'll now definitely never be included in Watchville. <laughs> we applied. They said no, which is fine. I don't think I don't think our and brand. Then they, and then they said no again. <laughs> That's good. What I enjoyed the most is they said no after we applied when they said we want people to apply. It's just like, hey, open call. We want all kinds of watch brand, watch blogs and blah, blah, blah. And we're like, oh, what about us? Except you guys. <laughs> uh, except two broke watch stops. We want everyone. Except You should have added it to the article. Except That's just like broke. an editor's note. Except the two broke watch. <laughs> two broke watch stops need not apply. <laughs> like, damn it. Well, at least they're on. At least we're on there. Maybe we got like a backlink out of it or something. <laughs> you know good stuff too funny so yeah if you like to laugh and if you're listening to the two rope wash knobs then I'm going to assume you do and if you have a sense of humor about the watch industry and if you don't take yourself too seriously I encourage you to go and check out the balance cock bugle okay yeah. balance and cost motherfuck balance and cost certified orological news probably um there's just a lot of really fun I still love the the uh, man tears rotator cuff trying to get Rolex in the frame on video call. I still really mm-hmm. like that one. Yeah, we've all been there. Made those awkward, awkward head scratches. Like, oh, I've done some really that. weird reaches for my drink before, like my coffee. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> oh, let me just reach for my coffee in the most uncomfortable way possible to get my watch in frame, just to see if anyone's yeah. like, oh, hey, Kaz, cool watch. Is that a blah 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 blah? But that's never gonna happen. I, out of nowhere, that woman from Casino Royale is going to pop out, out of your hallway. Rolex? Omega. Beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Let me guess. Rolex? Rolay. It's pronounced Rolay. Um, so here, let's wrap up housekeeping items. Yes, so go and check out the Bowscock View on TuberWatchUp.com. In addition to that, if you want to support the TBWS uh, 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 ideal image of what orology is supposed to be, not really if you just want to support the show because you think we're funny and we have a good time together, go and check out our Patreon page. Um, you can get in on the Patreon audio wrist check there. In addition to that, you can also get it in on the Patreon Slack when you opt into the Hanging Watchdong Patreon tier. We have a shit ton of fun in the Slack channel. Michael, kudos to you also for your recent knife acquisition 
I saw you post a, a photo of a knife you bought in Slack. Oh yeah, I got a little little spider co. Just talking about how um you know it, it's funny how some of these hobbies intersect. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. Because I lost my fucking your bench, bench made, which was <laughs> I'm kind of bummed out about that because it's not a cheap cheap knife. So now I want cheap knives because I I probably lose this one too someday. Probably lost in the move, dude. Yeah, I mean I moved like. Dude, I moved like five times in four years. Yeah, fuck that shit. <laughs> fuck that shit. But here, let's, yeah, so go and check out the, uh, the Patreon page, patreon.com slash tbookwashtops if you want to support us. If we've made your laugh, if we make your commute to work or your commute to your home office, which is usually the bathroom for most of us, if we've made that 30 second yeah. commute any better, please consider doing it. Um, we, we don't really have brand sponsors, and that's honestly by design because. Mm-hmm. We wouldn't. Can you imagine if? Okay, do you remember Michael? They wouldn't you, last. They wouldn't last. That's, can you imagine yeah. if we got like a sponsorship deal with Bulova and we did that whole episode talking about the Bulova Space View and making fun of like erectile dysfunction and all those stupid ads they had? Can you imagine yeah. the shitstorm that would create for us if Bulova was paying us money? Yeah, we can record the phone call where they fire us and then put that up as content at the very least. That'd be great. That'd be great airtime. We're just going in a different direction. We just live stream them them firing us. <laughs> hey, hey, beloved, you're on. We're on with TBWS and everyone else. Uh, okay, well, we we take serious offense to your latest ad, the one about the erectile dysfunction. Yeah, what about it? Like, just let it just you know what I mean, and just really. I prefer my bridges burned. I find the bridge <laughs> looks best when burned. You know. Oh boy. Good stuff. But here, speaking of Omega. And Rolex, Michael, where do you stand on the Rolex versus Omega quality debate? <laughs> well, on the quality debate, that's that's a pretty big discussion. Yeah. I think quality is comparable. You'll see a lot of folks that are like, oh, you know, a, a coaxial Metis certified chronometer from Omega kills the shit out of you know any rolex movement you'll see rolex people say well if you look at the co- the very corners of this finishing and this one micrometer of the lug you'll see that rolex takes greater strides to finish if you have an electron microscope at home next to your microwave <laughs> you know? so the quality discussion i think can go in a lot of different directions yeah but honestly i think the quality is right just it's kind of a tie between them, if if you ask me. But that's actually uh, a very controversial thing. Like I know, I know, it, throwing you off 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 flow. But are you cool spending just like two seconds talking about that in depth a little bit more? No, definitely. And and I I, I should kind of clarify some some of my points because I do think that there are some some areas where Rolex lags a little behind, and some areas where Omega lags a little bit behind. But yeah, yeah, you can. Feel free to jump in. Yeah, the, the, the quality being on par thing is actually incredibly controversial and a polemic talking point because that's one of the things I've always heard when people <laughs> are justifying like Rolex. It's just like, yeah, you know, it's hard to get something and like a not precious metal and like, yeah, sometimes you got to get on a list, but just the qualities. They have all those people, they have all those Oompa Loompas locked in the mountains up in, up in like the Swiss Alps and they're just like, and farmers make the hands in the off season and like, like all this crazy quality stuff. And so like, like, like that stuff is worth being 
a whipping child for Rolex to get on the list to get you know what I mean that's always the argument I've heard the quality makes all the Michigan bullshit around it worth it but that's yeah. kind of fucked up if you say okay well Rolex and Omega are the same quality but I could I could down my coffee right now take $6,000 to the Omega boutique be there in 15 minutes and then walk out with a Speedmaster or really yeah. sweet seat, like 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 right now. I don't have to inappropriately touch someone at my AD. I don't have to get on a list. I don't have to like hem and haw and do like pre-purchases. Like, oh, if you want to get this, you got to buy a few other Rolexes first. It's just like what you know what I mean. So I'm I'm gonna send you an article. Okay. Um, I'm gonna send you an article. It's from I want to say a couple of years ago. Is it from the Balance Card Google? It's not from the Balance Cock Bugle. <laughs> I don't think this author would ever write for the Balance Cock Bugle. Hey, he might. David. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> so, one day. We'll see. We'll ask him. So this is um, this is back from you know when when we were still working on these on these types of articles, mm. or like when I was still there. But this is a very probably the most in depth look at the Omega manufacturer yeah, that anyone this. has done. Uh, so it's a look inside the all-new Omega factory and with watch. some of the most insane photos of a watch manufacturer I've ever seen. Yeah. So it's a, it's, what is this, like a, I think it's like a three-page article from David Breton on on a blog to watch. Uh, and if you're, we'll link it in the show notes, but, you know, Omega quality and quality control and and manufacturing prowess is nothing to sneeze at. Yeah, uh, I know Rolex is very mysterious in the way they have different facilities at, that make up the main main facility, and it's no photos allowed. For I mean, I think journalists have been there twice in like the past century or something like that. Yeah. Um. So it, it, you know, but I, I I still think the quality is on par. I don't These are think incredible if you, photos. My God, they are amazing photos. God. And he, talk, he starts talking about like IoT. And yeah. the way that a bunch of this is automated in the way that parts are provided to the watchmakers, they just kind of like sit there and get these, I don't know, this this sushi tray of parts for their specific <laughs> stage. And it's all serialized and automated and very, very cool. So it's a long article, but totally worth it if you're curious about what Omega manufacturing and, and quality is really like. But I think Omega lags a little bit behind still in the bracelet game mm. because they were killing Rolex killing Rolex for years um yeah. we just had we just had a fellow um patreon supporter and, and slack Excuse member me. send over his um his older seamaster gmt and the bracelet you know the bracelet from that era just kills the older Rolex bracelets, wow. the, just the clasp and everything. Uh, but then I think Rolex realized that and they they started to really blow Omega away with with the way that their, their bracelets work. Today, I think, however, dial quality is a little bit nicer on Omegas. Um, We're going to get a lot of hate mail. I'm pumped. Well, well uh, there was a YouTuber. He's long gone now. He might have been murdered. Uh, <laughs> he got... <laughs> He was, Full disclosure. He was, from, 
<laughs> he might have been. He right. was he was from Down Under. Okay. And I, I think uh, he, he got <laughs> guys, himself, That guy's totally dead. That guy, <laughs> he's totally got murdered. I know what we're talking about. But he was he was a fantastic videographer, and yeah. he had the. Uh, he had the new stainless steel Pepsi GMT in, and the guy the guy would do ridiculous macro video. Yeah. Uh, and then he did a video on that watch, and people started to comment, saying that they saw little spray or like imperfections. Imperfections in the way the GMT hand was finished, with little paint droplets and blotches here and there closer to the arrow. Yeah. And I'm just like, well, if you. If you want to point out the fact that Rolex is not perfect, you know this is this is a great example. Yeah. Um, so I haven't seen anything like that from Omega, and uh, I would argue that if you take the new Seamasters, for example, which have the deep the deep waves etched into the ceramic dial, yeah, I just think that's a little bit more visually interesting than Rolex. I think it shows, you know, a higher a higher level of pursuit in in the quality that they're striving for. Yeah. Uh, but that's, I mean, kind of subjective. I love those waves also because if you think about it, it's actually a second pass on an iteration that they really wanted to perfect. The earlier yeah. Seamasters had waves, but they they maybe didn't have as much of an impression or impact as maybe fans and Omega wanted. Second generation, boom. You know what? Yeah. We improved it, and I I, th- I think they're definitely improved. I love, I love the new dials on those Seamasters versus the waves on the old ones. Yeah, let's take these two design cues, which were kind of classics for for each brand. Mm-hmm. So you had the you had the waves for the Seamaster. They were they were a hallmark of that design for a very long time, and now we have the latest iteration where, you know, they're they're modern, they're contemporary, they're in your face, they're high quality, they're in ceramic. Yeah, and it's a it's a great example of how Omega took something from from the past, something actually very nineties. Uh, and, and just brought it into the modern age. Yeah. And let's take a look at what Rolex did with red text. <laughs> it okay. was red text. It was red text then, and it's red text now. Still, I will. I will concur. It's still certainly <laughs> text that is red. So uh, I, I think, I think one of these brands is just kind of a little more creative in the way that they, uh, yeah, you know, go back, go dig into their history and and almost not recreate but reintroduce something for for the modern age here's the other thing i've heard people say rolex does better than anyone else the blending of the colors on ceramic bezels you know where the black meets the blue and the blah 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 oh, yeah you, you can't beat them I, well people caught up by now but they were absolutely the first to to really get that right yeah 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 yeah, yeah so i used to have the old I'm sorry, guys. I did get rid of it. Uh, it's kind of crazy to say right now, but I was I was a Batman owner. Um, it just didn't really stick with me. But that was that was one of the first watches where they took. Actually, I think that was the first watch where they took the two color, the two shades of ceramic, and and blended them together. And I think yep. it starts. I think it starts off. It's one piece of ceramic, but it starts off blue, and then they take care of the black. Or it's it's like that, but it's the other way around. Actually, right. I, I don't know how they do it. Yeah. So I mean, to Rolex's credit, that's an example of something that was pretty iconic in their history that they yeah. were able to modernize and and improve on. You know, from the days when you can get a Batman below MSRP. <laughs> it wasn't even that long ago, if you think about it. Lots, <laughs> it lots changed in a few years. 
I mean, 2020 has been long enough. <laughs> so yeah, should have kept um, the receipt. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's that is a fine example of the way that they use materials. But I mean, what's funny is it's one of those things that I feel like they the Rolex worked on, over-engineered and perfected. But it doesn't really have as much actual everyday wear impact as the improvement of the Seamaster dial. Yeah. Who the fuck's sitting there with their loop checking the way the colors blend on their bezel every morning? I mean, I'm sure someone is. I did it a couple of times, not with a loop, but I was I heard all the hype or read right. all the hype about how oh, you can't even see where <laughs> the colors blend. And I just kind of stare at it and, and think to myself, okay, I guess. Um <laughs> It could have been two pieces. It could have been one piece. I, I, I really wouldn't have been able to tell. Yeah. Um, one thing that's happening, at least in my mind, with, with Rolex and just collecting watches, um, for me, when I was getting into watches very seriously and considering Rolex and uh, buying Rolex in some cases, Rolex was being pitched to me, I think, by watch bloggers, um, maybe even by the brand itself in some way if you if you remember those um, like the ads they would do at the mm-hmm. the awards I, I forget which awards the oscars yeah the oscars or which which ads what was the context it was rolex within within film like over oh, the past my century God. i think it was <laughs> i don't know if you remember that ad i vaguely but, remember that yeah but it was it was being pitched to me as a tool watch and that's fine because they they really do have their history in creating watches that were meant for a very specific purpose and exceeding any benchmark that was established for the watch. Yeah. And, and that's how Rolex became Rolex. Um I realized that I wasted a lot of time and emotional effort in finding a tool watch in modern Rolex because they really are especially now with the most recent releases, they're jewelry pieces. Yeah. Even if you talk about stainless steel, when you talk about a new stainless steel model, these things are just, they're hyped up to the point where you can't buy them. And if you do buy them, they're over 20 K like the new, the new Kermit or Sermit, I think they're calling it because it's like (laughs) ceramic. (laughs) So you have the green ceramic bezel with the black dial, which was the original Kermit. I mean, dude, they're going up on David SW and flying off the shelf in some yeah. cases for over 23,000. 23, and this is a stainless steel dive watch, a ceramic. I think you can it, get from Christopher Ward. For me, <laughs> <laughs> for me, it illustrates two things. The modern consumer, not even just in watches, the modern consumer is still pretty fucking stupid. I know it's really wrong of me to say that. Yeah. But at a high level, the modern consumer is still pretty stupid. And the second thing it illustrates is that we, as the watch family, we just have to be better informed consumers. Just because these things are flying off the shelf doesn't necessarily mean there's anything special there. I know, but I want to buy the ultimate tool watch. I want to buy the ultimate tool watch. I will buy you a Casio G-Shock right now for $150. (laughs) But I want to buy it from the premier manufacturer that essentially made the tool watch what it is, which is Rolex, yeah. 100%. Yeah. But you can't, 
as much as they dig into their history and their heritage to try to make it seem like that's still what you're buying from them, it's not the case. Yeah. They, whether it was um, artificial scarcity or some kind of inflation that they did or artificially pulling back on stock, they did a really good job of upping the level of prestige that the brand had. Rolex was Rolex, but they were not AP. They were not Patek. Uh, They were not Vashram. They had to figure out a way to bump themselves up to that level. And now you see these things on the wrists of you know, rappers and politicians and generals in some countries. Um, And it's, you have these accounts dedicated to, to following all of, all of these fashion choices. And that's what it's become a very, very high level fashion choice. So all that's a, that's a really long winded answer to the, for the fact that I, I just, I would no longer turn to Rolex for a tool watch. Yeah. I'm, and I would turn to them for a jewelry piece, which I'm not necessarily interested in now. I, but it kind of it kind of opens up that that perspective and that possibility. Yeah. Like, okay, it's it's stupid to turn to Rolex if you want a stainless steel dive watch. But if you're kind of looking for something badass and two tone, or even an all precious metal, the deals actually kind of make sense, mm. and the context makes more sense today than anything. Well, because when I was, yeah. Oh, sorry. Whoa, dog. The dog is very upset with what you're saying yeah. right now. She she hears me talk about this all day to myself. <laughs> the the thing is, I would say yes. The Rolex would constitute like a fashion purchase. You can send us your hate mail. But at the same <laughs> time, I do I do still, in my opinion, because this is, um, if you're in the watch fam at all, if you're a watch enthusiast at all, you have to recognize that you are also in the game of brand veneration. It's very much a study of marketing. It's a study of brands. Brand love is a thing, or at least understanding brand love is a thing. And Rolex has done an incredible job of positioning themselves as the milestone brand. So I will say, I think a Rolex still is, yeah, fashion purchase, cool. I want a green watch that's shiny with the bezel, blah, blah, whatever. You can get a fucking Rolex. It doesn't matter. If you also want to commemorate the birth of your child or like buying a home or beating cancer or something or retirement, in my opinion, just because of how well they positioned their brand in cultural saturation, a world like still qualifies as a milestone purchase, in my opinion. Yeah, I would say so. You know, so. And and people will turn to the brand for that very reason. But I think, uh, I think... (laughs) I think it was John Biggs that used to say, oh, it's it's the dentist watch. Like, you get it when you, <laughs> when you finish dental school or something. My dad bought a Rolex is, when he finished medical school. and uh, uh, Oh, no, my dad got a Rolex when he finished his residency and opened his uh, practice. He got a Rolex two-tone date just in 1979. I know, I know but if he, if, he, if he did that today and he went to the AD for the very same reason, he probably wouldn't even be able to find the two-tone. Probably not. He walked into he walked into the mayor's at the Boca Raton Town Center, and then yeah. walked out with his watch. <laughs> exactly. So he's gonna he's gonna walk in there and he's gonna find nothing but uh, a solid rose gold Skydweller, Yachtmaster Twos, um, or whatever the fuck they're called. Yachtmaster Twos, a ton of lady date justs, and, and, and what's he gonna do? Mm-hmm. He's gonna pay over thirty k for the, uh, you know, for the Yachtmaster. Yeah, I don't think my dad paid 30K? 30k for for, for his date. <laughs> he <just>. didn't. Yeah, <laughs> and I don't, I don't, I don't think a physician fresh out of med school 
or a dentist is going <laughs> to go that route anymore. Right. So it, it's, it very much still is the same milestone watch, but for who? <laughs> who are we talking about? Definitely not you and I. I know that much. So if I if I sign to the Lakers, maybe. Um, I'm 5'7", by the way. Yo, if you sign to the Lakers, <laughs> get me seats, man. I want I want <laughs> reserve seats every every game. <laughs> All right. Yeah. But you know this 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 recent shift, I think in in Rolex, and I think the the way that they position their models, it's I think it's opening up some doors for people to realize that watches like the Milgauss are really cool. Uh, watches that are not necessarily as hot as the subs and the GMTs and the Daytonas are pretty fun. I did see yeah. some new Oyster Perpetuals, like a yeah. black dial and a white dial. That, that's that's pretty fun. Oh, the forty one, the forty one millimeter ones. Yeah, I would still yeah. urge people to buy those. Those are good options. I like the thirty six millimeters and all those fun colors. There's like a there's like a fun Tiffany blue in there. Those are cool. I I saw those. I saw those. I. I don't know how I feel about them. At the same time, if that wa- if any of those watches is attractive to you because of the color, you can also just buy a Nomos for way less money. That's true. That's true. I mean, Did you see that? I, I think it was. I don't know who made the meme, but it was it was all of those Rolexes in the new rainbow colors. And it, I think the meme was twenty twenty watch releases are here, and then the photo under was the the Grand Seiko Constant Force Turbion thing. Yeah. And it said, hold my, like, Seiko, hold my beer. Hold my beer. <laughs> <laughs> Missed opportunity to say, hold my sake, but. Hold my sake. <laughs> um, hold my sake. That's awesome. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if they're kind of. I'm not going to say it's lazy, but it's, it's, it's not, it's no, very, it's, not, it's, it's very not, Rolex. It's not lazy. The thing is, I think one of the mistakes that people make is that like, oh, Rolex, they're just, they don't, they don't know what's going on. They're just, they're just doing whatever they think is right. They're doing things in a vacuum. No, do not for a second think that there's no team at Rolex, which is just a room of people who have marketing data and purchasing data and revenue to annual watch purchase data that they honestly get from large watch sites. So sorry guys, yeah, I'm being a dickhole here, but it doesn't matter. Don't mm-hmm. think for a second that they're not backing up everything they do with market data, user uh, uh, statistics, and all this bullshit. They created the watches that they felt people would buy. People who were already buying yeah. Rolexes would buy. That's the reason why we've never seen anything recent in regards to the Explorer One, which watch, nerd, watch nerds love, or the Milgauss, which watch nerds love, because watch nerds are not buying these watches. Yeah, they know exactly what they're doing. Yeah, they're not dumb. There, there might have been some debate. There might have been some debate, and then the Pepsi GMT came back for the first time in decades, and it was white gold. And that's the moment where I think the entire industry was like, Rolex knows, knows exactly what they're doing. Yeah. <laughs> in how they troll, <laughs> even troll in some ways, you know, the watch, the watch enthusiasts. Did you see the two-tone? Uh, they did a new two-tone, but it's like $40,000 or $20,000, I think. A two-tone what? A two-tone so, GMT? I have, you know, it, you know, it's actually really funny. I was on vacation when... Um, when a lot of these watches were announced, I yeah. was in a cabin, cabin in the woods, and uh, writing the next great American novel, I assume. <laughs> yeah, right. Climbing rock walls. Let's see, brands, uh, Rolex. Let's, let's, what's new with Rolex? So here we have the 
see the Oyster Perpetual. I see the colorful ones. The Sky Dweller is now on an Oyster Flex. Where the fuck is this thing? It exists, goddammit. There's something on the wing. I know there is. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen it. God, God damn it! where is it? I am not insane. Mm. Come on, oh dinky. It's all right. There's also there's also the discussion of how everything is 41 millimeters now. I mean, the four, I'm just <laughs> happy that they slimmed down the lugs. I never liked the wide oh, lugs. Look at that! You're absolutely right. I didn't even notice that. Uh, so the 41 millimeter thing, yeah, whatever. It's not my favorite, but at least it's not 41 millimeters and like wearing football shoulder pads, American yeah. football shoulder pads. You know what I mean? Huh? Look at that. You're right. Mm. I've always hated that about the reference uh, references that came out after. I guess it's what the f- six digit, five digit references. I yeah, no six idea. six digits um, on the subs. Yeah. yeah, that was always kind of like annoying to me. Oh my hmm. god, I am losing my mind, Michael. I am <laughs> I am not insane. It, it, there's the all gold one. Yep, I agree. Yes, thank you, Dicky. I know, I know that's real. See, out of all of these, I would buy yes. today. Oh, you found it? I Are you slacking it. it to me? Yes, I'm slacking it to you. Sorry. It's <laughs> going a little crazy there, man. Everything's fine. It's all fine. Nothing's fucked, you know? I, did it. I didn't dream this. I didn't dream this. Uh, if you scroll down to... Uh... Oh, I see the two-tone. Okay, good. Yes. Wait, this is like 40K, you said? Uh, no, it's like... 36,000 yellow gold. Yellow gold is 36,000. The steel in yellow gold is 14,000. Oh, okay. So it's steel, yellow gold, 14,000, 41 millimeter. It's got the date, blah, 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 ceramic bezel. So it's interesting the price point on this one because if, if for fans of the TBWS show, even though this two tone, the, the bluesy, the fucking, I hate the name, but the bluesy, even though it doesn't fall into my normal tastes, I do have an unhealthy guilty pleasure obsession with this watch. I've tried on the older versions in person. 14000 that's actually probably pretty close to what you'd pay for an older no. one. No, this is... Is it different? Steel and, steel and yellow gold is 36950 Wait, really? Yes. Oh, God damn it. Okay, oh, so 915 steel black bezel, oh, wait. 950, 14300 steel and yellow gold. Oh, that seems cheap. That's what I'm saying. Like, that's almost the price of, like, an older one. So why would I get an older one when I can buy a new one? Maybe it's a typo. Let me let me check the reference. No, no, this this seems right now, looking at all the prices and thinking about, thinking about the price that the two-tone GMT was supposed to be. Yeah. Because that, that's, that's around the price that that watch is supposed to be, but secondary market they sell for around, like, 17 18 mm. Um... So, stupid. So for me, this is kind of interesting because I can do the I can do my fucking bluesy blah blah blah. But instead of an aluminum insert, it's it looks like it's ceramic. I'm guessing these are all fucking ceramic. Inserts. Yeah, it's gonna be ceramic now. So well, wait, that's the thing. Okay, so then the steel with the green bezel is supposed to be nine thousand five hundred fifty, but it's selling for twenty three thousand. <laughs> if you just want it for the gram right now, I don't want to live on this planet anymore. 
just doesn't. So then, how much do you think these two tones probably are? Well, I mean, these probably aren't that. It's all. It's also there's what there's whatever MSRP says, and then there's whatever individual retailers think value props and yeah. are going to be. You know what I mean? What will yeah. someone actually pay for this? Um, that green one, obviously, everyone you know, or a lot of people. Let's just let's just say a lot of sacks full of dogs got drowned. Uh, I think when that watch came out, when the green one, when the green one came out, you know what I mean. Uh, I don't know if there was. You didn't even know they did a two tone one. Maybe the two tones. Maybe I can actually walk into my fucking Rolex blah, 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 boutique or AD and walk out with the two tone. What do you think? Here's a a very famous seller in the Orlando area. Okay. The two tone. Uh, so what was the MSRP that you just pointed out for the the two tone? Fourteen thirty. Okay, you can get it from him for nineteen eight seven five. I'll just buy the old one. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that's definitely. The, I mean that's less than what you just quoted yeah. out for the green one, but that's still. Come on, man. Or a Royal Oak. Or a Royal Oak. <laughs> just, I think that's the other really. So let's bring it back to the Rolex V Omega discussion because that was that that was the heart of this thing. Yeah. Is it really worth it? To pay not Rolex MSRP prices, but Rolex reality prices for what you get, because you could take that twenty k and, like Michael just said, close the door, walk out with a sweet APRO. Like, what could you get for twenty thousand dollars that would be worlds better, in truth, than what you'd get for one of these Rolexes? When you when you qualify it as a, the sum of its parts, that's the discussion that we've brought up in the past. Is what this thing is versus the price I'm paying? Am I getting a proper value for the sum of its parts? Don't don't look at it like the oh, Rolex. Oh, it's blah blah blah. It's a piece of metal with other pieces of metal and some goopy like glow in the dark shit on it, and yeah. it, it winds. And you can maybe tell time on it if you are if you're aware enough to actually set the time on it. Really break it down. Um, so you can think clearly. I've said this quote to you before, and then I'll let you st- I'll let you talk, and now I cut you off. There's a there's a really funny, I, don't know, I think it's a Thai Buddhist quote to help monks retain celibacy if you're racked with with lustful, erotic <laughs> desires uh, for a specific person. In order to help get past that, just to match, just take this, so take take the image of that person, put them in your head, the person that you find very sexually attractive, and then imagine them with all of their skin pulled off. <laughs> the rest should work itself out. Okay. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Imagine good. Imagine the Rolex with all of its skin pulled off. Like at, like like what are you actually getting? Is it worth yeah. $20,000? Is it worth compromising my spiritual purity? You know what I mean? I, this is probably an odd analogy to draw between the two, but it's 20, 20 Michael, if you if I $20,000 to spend, I'll tell you right now, I'm not buying the two tone. No matter how much I love it, or how much I've lusted over it, that is not an appropriate way to spend $20,000 on a watch. This is really going to fry your noodle. If you're an Omega shopper, you don't have to worry about any of this. Yeah. What was that? <laughs> that was a little little wacky horn. <laughs> oh, that's great. But no, I mean, le- le- legitimately, you and I offline and on the Slack, I've been talking about the Omega Railmaster, that that stupid blue dial with the white with the white loom. The de- I'm not calling it the denim, but people call it the denim. The Rolex, uh-huh. uh, the, uh, not the Rolex, the the Omega full name, Omega Seamaster Railmaster denim jeans, or whatever the fuck it's called. Mm-hmm. 
MSRP 5200 realistically, you'd probably pay, you know, middle of four. You could walk into most places and then walk out with that. But that's yeah. a that's a niche Omega thing. Everyone's saying, oh, Kaz, that's because no one buys fucking Railmasters. Well, fuck you. I could do the same thing with a goddamn Speedmaster. I could do the same thing with a with a Master Coax, Seamaster Professional, Ceramic. I could do it. You know what I mean? I could do it with the Planet Ocean. Yeah. And I, I've never really gotten into the, <clears throat> I guess, the economics of it. But I, I'd be curious to compare the price of a Submariner today versus the price of a Submariner back when you would hear the stories of, oh, like I was in the Air Force and I walked <laughs> off base and I spent three months of my salary. Yeah. You know, it, it, is it still equivalent to that amount of money today as what it would have been back then for well, somebody like that? Because those, I... those were the people, those were the people buying the watches also many, many times. And, well, I mean, <sighs> What's, I heard somewhere that used to be able to buy stainless steel Rolexes during the quartz crisis for like 500 bucks. Is that true? Yeah, yeah. And even a little bit later, like well into the quartz crisis, sometimes cheaper. If we were talking about Daytonas, which were immensely unpopular. Mm. Yeah, like three, three something. I don't, th- I, I don't know because now we're bringing into the issue wage inflation or lack of wage you know what I mean so like it's I don't think the three month salary thing yeah would work I think you're paying more when you account for like just how times have changed with like how much folks are making and things like that and stuff I think a blue dial I think a blue dial Omega Seamaster Diver 300 meter with the ceramic dial Mm. really really just a nice Actually, what looks to be closer to a tool watch with some of that luxury vibe to it. Still feels luxury. In in that glitzy kind of ceramic bezel. But I could see somebody, I I could see the everyday man or woman, you know, setting money aside for this and buying it and enjoying it as, as a tool watch. Absolutely. So I think, I think to me today, if you're looking for something, if you're looking for something every day, if you're looking for something uh, just tough and that can really stand the test of time, anything you put it through without just kind of blowing your life savings away, I would go Omega. I, I wouldn't I, I wouldn't go with a sub. Um, a lot has changed in the past four or five years. Yeah. Uh, and I don't think I don't think the tool watch game belongs to Rolex. Agreed. I think the blingy, I think the blingy game, like the showing off, like the peacock watch, I think that belongs to Rolex. And that's why in a previous episode with with my wife, I said, I, I've I've spent a lot like trying to I've, I've spent a lot trying to get that tool watch out of Rolex and it never worked out. Yeah. The 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 GMT Master didn't stick, um, the old sub didn't stick, the explore the 42 millimeter explorer didn't stick. There was always this kind of guilt that I had. Because it was more bling than tool. Yeah. And I'm I'm really if you look at my collection, it's like mostly military design. You're not a blingy guy. <laughs> yeah. But but if I wanted that, if I wanted that, for sure, I'd get a fucking two tone yacht master. Yeah. Because <laughs> they're they're ridiculous, and that's what I'm gonna turn to Rolex to something absolutely 
absurd. Let's cap this discussion by saying send your hate mail courtesy to tbws.contact at gmail.com. <laughs> that email again is tbws.contact at gmail.com. If I were to qualify the discussion in any way and reduce it, which is actually kind of difficult considering how many facets there just were, if you want a traditional milestone watch or a fashion watch, get a, get a Rolex. Go, yeah. yeah, totally worth it. It's worth being someone else's whipping boy. Go get a Rolex. That's totally fine. That's awesome. We all. That's the great thing also about the watch family. You can spend your money however you want, but just understand how you're spending it. So if mm-hmm. you want a fashion watch or or a, a really cool milestone watch, Rolex, that's perfectly fine. If you want to spend a little of money and get a tool watch which could also potentially be like a dressy watch or just get a watch where you feel like you get more, uh, I feel odd saying this, but bang for your buck where you're actually getting an appropriate amount back from your watch where what you pay for is greater than the sum of its parts, get an Omega. That's probably what I'm going to do in the next couple of weeks to be super candid and truthful with everyone. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, again, hate mail, courtesy, tbws.contact. Uh, at gmail.com we got some after the balance cog bugle went live so we're that's doing fun. we're doing that that's fun um but yeah i think i don't think the discussion is over uh let's start rounding out this episode because i know michael has got to go but i definitely don't think the discussion is over that said let us know your thoughts on what we were able to touch on here let us know if this is something that you've also struggled with internally do i want to get a rolex or i want to spend the money is it really worth it you know xyz um Again, the email, I won't say it again because I already said it a bunch of times. Or you can hit us up on Instagram or you can comment on the website for when this post goes up. In addition to that, let us know if there are any additional specific aspects of the Rolex v Omega comparison that you want us to tackle next time. Because, Michael, I'm pretty certain we're going to do Rolex v Omega Part 2 at some point. Yeah, definitely. And we should... I don't know. Maybe we'll have some sample watches. That we maybe we'll have about. some... Maybe we'll have for, 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 for business purposes... Maybe we'll have some sample watches. Yeah, send your Rolexes in a greasy hamburger bag to... <laughs> go to go to Five Guys, okay? And just get a ball of grease because they just like... I don't know if you've been to... I, I mean, obviously, Michael, it's been a while since you've been, you've been to a Five Guys. Oh, the fries. I, I'd, I'd go for just for the fries. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. They, just, they just... It's just a ball of grease they put in the bag mm-hmm. and they hand you the bag. This could be an organ heart. I don't know. It could be anything in that, in that bag of grease, but put your Rolexes in those... And then send them to us, um, courtesy TWS. Uh, but here, let's do this huge thank you and a huge shout out again to our Patreon audio risk check folks, Jason jumping in and joining us with the um, S- that's right, that Grand Seiko SBGA two two nine, and then also to Josh at Osteopath Osteopathic Time rocking the GMBW five thousand GD dash nine, the full metal Casio G Shock, the gold, the full metal five thousand, whatever it is. If you want to get in on the, on the audio wrist checks, go and pe- uh, check out our Patreon, patreon.com. Watch knobs. Um, Michael's super happy to hear you got the Citizen Nighthawk. Super happy to hear that you're digging it. Um, is it that time? Is it that sad time? That sad time. Inching closer to 200, and we'll be back next week. All right, here, you close us out, and I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, make, I'll make my voice the last thing people hear. Thanks for listening, guys. My name is Mike. And this is Kaz. You have been listening to Two Broke Watch Knobs. Later.